So um, there was a process you went through and you were going to do another 30 days. Yes. And I'll mention that before that, before I made that commitment to myself again, I, um, what are the words I'm going to use here? Um, I guess I gave myself permission, you know, I was fragile, right? But I kind of gave myself that permission to, um, to have drinks. And so it was February and that was the Super Bowl. And someone's having a Super Bowl party. Um, and I went to the Super Bowl party and I brought my non-alcoholic beer. Okay. And so my intention was to drink non-alcoholic beer. And um, even though I was with people that I played volleyball with and the people I played volleyball with, I drank a lot around also. Um, so it was definitely like a trigger it was an environment that I knew was going to have some trigger factors in it for me. And when I went, um, really sadly, one of my friends that I played volleyball with, his son had passed away. Um, I want to say like, it was just a few months before, maybe, maybe up to six months before. Um, but his son had passed away from, um, I believe it was from drug use, his 19 year old son, that was a really talented volleyball player. Wow. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was, so it was, it was being around this person was, you know, you could feel his grief. One, I could feel his grief when I entered the room and two, he was, again, I'm cautious not to call other people alcoholics because I believe that's something that you, um, you give yourself that term if you, if you want to, if, if it's right for you. So I'm cautious not to call someone else an alcoholic. Um, but from my point of view, this person was definitely masking their grief with alcohol use. Yes. Yes. And so being in that room with him was, I mean, it wasn't fun. <laughs> I'm going to say that. Mm-hmm. And I don't even like the Super Bowl. Like I don't care about I don't care about these big, I'm, I'm terrible, but I just, it's, I wasn't there. I'll, for, I'll forgive you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wasn't there and watched football. Um, but yeah, being there, he, so he actually poured some shots and handed me a shot. And um, I was very vocal to my friends here about what I was doing too. Like I, they knew I was drinking my non-alcoholic beer, um, but he handed me a shot and he was, and he was really pressuring me, right. To drink. Um, this is something that happens in these beginning stages of sobriety, because we have, like I said, like the devil incarnates and suddenly everybody everywhere is going, have a drink, have a drink, have a drink. And you, so you really have to have like your self-awareness, you know, you have to be present enough with yourself and your own desires to say, no, I don't want that. Yeah. And he'll even put the alcohol somewhere. Like you open a cupboard and there's a bottle that you stashed last year. And all of a sudden, where did that come from? Yeah. I mean, there's all the different ways. So go ahead. Yeah. Anyways, he handed me a shot and he said, take it for William, who was his son that passed away. And so I, I did, and I took the shot and, um, 
And I went home that night after just having that one shot. And it was, like I said, it, well, I didn't have very much fun. <laughs> right. And so there was kind of, I guess, this shifting of gears where I was realizing, okay, so maybe you don't spend time around these people anymore because it's not worth it. So that was kind of my month of February. There was a couple couple different nights. Uh, the Junos came to London, Ontario, which is where I live in Canada. And the Junos are this like big award show. And so it was kind of a big deal that they, the award show was here in London. And I was again, working at this bar and the Junos are across the street. And it was definitely a night for celebrating and drinking was involved. And that night I remember I had two Coronas and those two Coronas, like I still remember the feeling of having these two Coronas because I drove home from, from work that night after the two Coronas. And it was, I felt so, there was so much feeling attached to it. I was felt like paranoid that I was going to get caught driving and blow over if the cops caught me or so, you know, um, and it was really kind of a phantom fear because I had driven numerous times with way more alcohol in my system. But that particular night, it was kind of like, oh no, like I just really had that feeling of um, like someone's watching me. <laughs> but Paranoia. Yeah, yeah. But I think it was more like now looking back on it, I can tell you it's because I was watching me. I was aware of me. And like, you know, there's a voice in my head going like, this is stupid. Like you're, you know, it's not worth it. Cause yes, if somebody does stop you for, you know, you didn't signal and then you do blow over because that can happen with two beers in two hours, but then you're fucked. <laughs> so what are you doing? It was just, you know, I had a couple of those in, uh, in February. And so, yeah, it just became, let's do that. Let's do that sober thing again. Let's try it again. Um, and I think I made, I think I did 60 days that time. Um, but I kept increasing that goal. So throughout 2019, it was like, I did the 60 days. I gave myself that pat on the back. Um, I think I had, I, I, I think I had some drinks. Well, I know I had some drinks because, <laughs> because my sober, yeah, because my sober <laughs> date is what it is. But, um, and then I tried for 90 days. And the 90 days, that was, that was a big one, like three months. Like that was, that felt huge. It, that was a really big test of like, can I really do this? Cause this is a lot, this is a lot in a row. And I didn't have a lot of support at that time. It was, re it really felt like me against the world. It was. Um, yeah. Cause you're really actually by yourself doing this. During yeah, I really was. Yeah. I had. I mean, I was connecting with Sheila once a month. So I had her guidance and she was connecting me again with my spirit guides. And so I had this support and actually Drifter, it's kind of amazing because she was connecting me with my deceased grandparents. <laughs> and so one of the sessions that I had with her, she, she said to me, your grandfather is here and your grandmother is here on my dad's side who had passed away my grandfather long before I was born and my grandmother passed away when I was two years old. So in 1980, no, 1990, I was born in 88. So 1990, my grandmother, Same as my son. 
yeah, yeah. Um, but it was, yeah. So she had these two people that I never knew really in this life and they were coming through their spirits were coming through and they were supporting me. They knew what I was doing and they were giving me encouragement and they were for, saying for being sober. They were yes. specifically. Yes. Wow. That's really, that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. It was like the, the spirit world is in touch with our sobriety. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I never really well, even considered that. That's crazy. That's badass. I think so too. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. It was, um, so like I said, I, um, when I say like I was alone, it was me versus the world. I'm quickly reminded that that's a, that's never the case. Even when you feel like you're alone, you are not alone. Um, and B there's unseen forces that are always supporting you. Um, and so I was fortunate enough to be connected with them through Sheila. And so even where I didn't feel like, you know, my friends were supporting me. Um, and I didn't really, I didn't feel a family support very much either. Um, not but to you're getting this spiritual support. Yes. So this yes. whole new idea is evolving for you too. Yes, exactly. Yeah. The fork in the road suddenly became like connected and yes, I would felt very like every step of the way, it was just like a little more, a little more sure that this is where I wanted to go. Wow. That's really cool. Mm -hmm. So then I guess you got, this went to all the way to where you decided you're going to take the big leap and just be sober, I guess. Not, not quite, not yet. <laughs> oh, not yet. <laughs> Woo! After, after 90 days of sobriety, I said, I have to do a hundred. Of course I have to do a hundred. Um, three digits, right? Right. There you go. Yeah. Um, a friend of mine, my beautiful darling friend, Catherine, who I've actually known since birth, um, our dads are very close friends. We're very close friends. When they were 16 years old, they met and Catherine was, um, you know, like a sister to me and she had done 100 days of sobriety. I think back in like 2016 when I was actively drinking and really had no interest, um, in pursuing sobriety, but she had done 100 days in a row. And I remember seeing her when she was like 80 days or something like that. And she was glowing, she was glowing. And that was a great example for me. So after I did these 90 days of sobriety, I was like, I wanna be like Catherine. I wanna do 100 days. That was really cool. Like she inspired me. And even, even though, here's the thing, even though we go back, even though we go back to drinking and, and this path is not linear, there's, always a gift there always and so Catherine had done 100 days of sobriety with that intention of doing 100 days and all these years later I'm remembering it and being inspired by that and thinking if she could do that I think I could do that let's find out if I can right so I went for it and I went 100 days um and and succeeded and gave myself the pat on the back and said like, yes, you, you thought you could, you know, you had the belief, 
you had the intention, you did it. And, um, and that was huge. It was huge. Um, by that time I had been posting on the app. And so I, it's funny, I actually scrolled back the other day because I wanted to see some of my posts from the very beginning. And I think that I've posted so much now that my earliest posts have actually been archived. I don't oh, think really? you can, Yeah. I, I scrolled back to see kind of how long you've been on the app. And I saw your first post was around three months, I think is what I saw. Okay, okay. yeah. So I, so I wasn't sure. Yeah, I wasn't sure if um, that's when you, if you'd gotten sober before and then found the app. And then, so how did you find the app? Um, I don't know who it was anymore, but some definitely there is somebody who said, I use this app and, you know, get it and use it and see what you think. So there, you, did you just use it as a counter to start off with? Yes. Those first, that January, February, March, April, like I said, those probably the first five months of the year I used as a counter. I read everybody's stories and I would, um, you know, I'm doing the comparison with the people that are, have the same number of days as me and I'm reading their stories and I'm feeling supported by what they're saying and the challenges they're going through. And I really feel like we're in it together. So even though, like I said, I didn't feel like I had this family support. I didn't feel like I had friends support, but I definitely had support from God, the angels, my ancestors, and then the app, even yes. though I wasn't, mm -hmm, even though I wasn't posting, um, I wasn't posting until, like you said, up until about three months or so but I was reading everyone's stories and I was pledging. That was, Oh my gosh, drifter. I just remembered how important that was because I pledged every single day. And I, I don't pledge today. Um, I don't wake up in the morning and pledge right away. I have, I have different routines and different things that keep me centered and grounded and, and sure of my path, but pledging on the app was something that I did religiously. And I in the, loved in the beginning. It. Yeah. Yes. And that's something my son's doing right now. My yeah. oldest son, he's on there. I, um, I'm not, I just going to keep his anonymity, but he's yeah. doing that right now. And he's excited about pledging like you're talking about right now. Yeah. Yeah. I loved doing it. And I told people about it. I like, I shared, I said, oh, I have this cool app. And every morning it goes off at 9am and says, you know, will you pledge your sobriety today? And I check yes. And then at seven o'clock at night, because I didn't want to go too late into the night, but I would had it set because you can change those settings. And I had it set for 7 p.m. And it would go off at 7 p.m. and say, did you stay sober today? And every time when I click yes, it was like, yes. Like there was that sense of accomplishment. It was beautiful. So yes. simple. You know? So simple, but perfect. Magical. <laughs> yeah. And, and you're doing and having, it. You're it exci it's exciting. It was exciting. And it was like those few words of support because the app would send you a message and say, like, good job. And it would say, you know, it would say really neat things. Like it would say, I don't know if you remember some of them. The I, I've never, I never have done that myself. I never pledged. Oh, really? 
Yeah, but I know I don't I know a lot of people that do. Yeah. I don't I don't really write anything in the app. I don't really pledge. Uh I just wake up and I'm gonna do this. Yeah. <laughs> That's my mindset. I'm yeah, you know, every day I'm gonna do this. So yeah. Well, I love the messages. Like you just got little motivational quotes that just said like it just made you feel like a superhero for the day. But it still sends you those quotes every day, uh, even if you don't pledge for me. It still gave me. Um, okay, perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So that was awesome. cool, too. Yeah. Perfect. I like that. So um, you're on the app and and that's when you decided, when was it that you decided, I'm just, I'm in all the way? um let's see well I decided 100 days felt really really good and I was super super proud of that moment that milestone um like I said I was also now connecting with people from the app and I really felt this kinship with them I felt close to them and they knew things about me now that I didn't share with other people in my personal life like in my hometown Um, and so I, it's funny because there's this gradual shift that I can look back on now. And I see like the incremental shift of where my values were changing. Suddenly my values were not like, it definitely wasn't how drunk can I get tonight? It wasn't, how can I mask this pain? It wasn't, you know, booze above everything else. And it wasn't even like my, you know, my friendships were changing. Um, and there was periods of loneliness for sure. There was periods of, but I started to see the value in that too. I think that's so back in that time too, though, that app was a lot different app. It, yeah. It was, yeah. It wasn't. Can, go ahead. It just wasn't as super user friendly and it was a bit more um, archaic. <laughs> and from what I've been told, you couldn't even really respond to each other back then. You were just like posting, weren't you? I think you could still respond, but a lot of us didn't know that we wouldn't get the notification. It didn't give you notifications. So if somebody responded to you, you'd have to go back to their post, to their wall and check on it. You know, like you didn't know, you didn't get that notification saying that somebody responded to you. And so you could, but back then we only followed, it was like, you could follow up to 50 people. And so I only, I think I only had like, you know, 20 or 25 people that I was routinely um, chatting with and going back and forth and they would post on my milestones and I would post on their milestones and we were kind of celebrating together. So it was, it, it, you know what? I actually really liked it because it was definitely not as user-friendly. It was a bit archaic, like I said, but it was doing everything I needed it to do. I had the friendships were building and you can't, doesn't matter how fancy your app is. If you don't have real people using it and trying to accomplish real things, then none of, none of the rest of it matters because that's what we were. We were real people trying to accomplish a real thing, the real problem. And we were really connecting heart to heart people were sharing people were being vulnerable people were being supportive people were celebrating each other and that was the beautiful community that I 
grew up in. That was the beautiful space that that really was nurturing this this new person inside of me that wanted to shine. Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, because that's really cool with, that's what helped me break. I had three years where I couldn't even go one day without drinking. Getting around all of you guys um, and be, being able to pose, to read, and know that I'm not alone was the game changer. I, I yeah. relapsed twice, and then I, after I drunk text into the app, I'm like, okay, this is my last chance, and I can't blow this. I can't destroy these relationships like I've, I've done everywhere else. So, right. and, that, and even in the app, I've done that because I'm, I got this manic thing that I do, but um, <laughs> I'm still working on that. But so you built um, this, you were involved with this virtual community. Yeah, is that like I mean, kind of like? Were you ready for that for to get sober with a virtual community? Oh my god! <laughs> no, I I never thought that that was what I never knew that that was the path that I was going to go down. Like I said, I read the AA Bible, and I kind of thought my dad did Alcoholics Anonymous, and I thought that was the way that you did it. And and how else was I going to do it if I was you know if I was really as dependent as I thought I was. And I was more, once you, once you dig down, you realize, oh, it's actually, it's got a stronger hold on me than I even knew. Um, But yeah, I thought AA was the thing. And so I didn't, I I had no idea that what, what was on the app was going to help me the way that it did. And it was such a team effort. It was like, yeah, I feel so blessed that that was a way to get sober. And then Again, I'll say that the pandemic, when that began, that was another blessing for our community because now we had a reason that we really needed to have Zoom calls and we needed to have meetings online. We needed to see each other and we needed to support each other weekly. Um, For those people on the app who also used AA, who were now getting robbed of that opportunity wherever they lived, you know, that's the amazing thing about the app too, is that it's worldwide. There are people, yes. I, have, I have friends all over the world now because of that. And, um, and these people were, like I said, they're robbed of the opportunity to go to AA meetings in person, which is their lifeline. It was, that was a tragic thing in my view. And so the pandemic began and, and um, I remember thinking in my mind, oh, we should probably do some Zoom calls. Wouldn't that be great? And I was thinking about that for a few weeks when, when suddenly Chef and Raul and Helen and um, Patty and Colleen, suddenly everybody had got together and, and handed out a Zoom call address. And I was like, oh, really? We're doing it? Because I had been thinking about it for weeks and I hadn't said anything to anybody else, but I'd been thinking about it. Clearly they'd been thinking about it. And then we had that first meeting. Um, and I don't know whether I was at the very first one or, you know, second or third, it doesn't matter. But um, yeah, it was like, it, we right away, people were like, this was awesome. And we should do this, you know, we should definitely do this once a week. And we should invite anybody who wants to come. 
um, it was so valuable for so many people and continues to be. I just came in, I just came in during that time when um, it was announced that um, there were going to be unofficial Zooms. Yeah. Starting. And I thought that was pretty cool. Really. It was but, so exciting. Oh, yeah. But I was like, uh, oh, there's no way I'm going to show my face and let anybody know. I was like paranoid, you know? Yeah. So, and so you were basically around uh, when all that began, too. Yeah. You know what I want to say about that, too, is that um, for me, the from my very first post and my username, my username on the app is Amy Lovell. It's my name. And my posts were, you know, from my heart. And my pictures were my face. I was posting my face. I was using my real name. And I was speaking from the heart. And that was like, I didn't want to be anonymous. Right. It was like, my secret was out. And so if it was going to be out, like what better group of people to be honest and genuine with than all of these people who are trying to accomplish the same thing that I was. Yes. So that was important to me. And then once these Zooms uh, got going and stuff, then you jumped in and you started hosting Zooms. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't think I would ever do that either. Did you have a, like the first time you went on a Zoom was you, or did you have a hard time like talking or uh, getting involved? Um, <laughs> you know what I had a hard time with is I didn't have a computer and I only had my cell phone. So our first Zoom meetings were on my cell phone and it would drain my battery so much. So I would be, I lived in an apartment um, that didn't have air conditioning. So it was hot. I would go rollerblading before our Zoom meetings. It was like Saturday afternoon. I would go rollerblade and I'd come back for a Saturday 5 p.m. Zoom meeting. I would get on my phone, which already had like less than half the battery because I'd be rollerblading listening to music. And so the hard part was I'd be like sweating buckets in my hot apartment on my cell phone and I couldn't see everybody because you have to scroll through your phone if there's 20 people on a zoom call it only gives you like four people right. so the hard part I would be like who's here who's all here <laughs> all right. uh, yeah so that's really cool so I mean you went through all that to stay involved because your sobriety is so important to you yes Yes. And it was, so, it was funny. Cause I was kind of embarrassed that I was like, it was like, I couldn't afford a computer. So I was embarrassed that I was like on my phone and that I was like, and I'm in like this sweaty, hot apartment, <laughs> <It was> just, <laughs> you know, but it was I, it, anyway, it was, uh, no, I wouldn't trade that for anything. So there had to have been a time, a point in all this where you decided to I like the sober life so much. Um, I'm going to start just pursuing this life. Yeah. Because oh, you really, you, you really, yeah, go ahead. We're, I was just going to say, we're getting to the really good part. Okay, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to hear the really good part? Yes, I do. Okay. So the really good part is when I had my last weekend uh, it was a girls weekend at the beach 
uh, with friends of mine that I'd known, you know, since I was very young, some of which were the first people that I ever drank alcohol with. And we went to the beach and had a beach weekend and, and had drinks. And, um, this was my last weekend unbeknownst to me. This was the last weekend that I had a sip of alcohol. And I drove home from the beach with one of my girlfriends in the car. And she kind of asked me about my sobriety. And I, because I shared with her, like, you know, that was fun. And, um, it was great to get together with you guys and hang out at the beach. And, um, I said, but I'm, I'm not going to be drinking tomorrow. And, and she knew all about my 30 day, 60 day, 90 day, 100 day. She knew all about those accomplishments, those milestones. And so she was supportive and she was like, cool, cool. Like, um, you know, go for it. And so that next day, you know, it was like Monday or Tuesday. Um, I think it was a long weekend. So we might've come home from the beach on a Monday. Um, and yeah, I started that counter up again and I pledged my sobriety every day. And I actually posted like now at this point, I was super open. Like I was posting not just in the app, but I was posting on my Instagram page. I was posting to all my, you know, anybody who followed me, like 400 people on Instagram that, that knew me in high school or, you know, various ways that they were connected to me. And, um, yeah, and I was very vocal there as well. So I posted my day one on the Instagram page. And I said, I said, um, I restarted my counter and here I am at day one. And, you know, all I've learned through these periods of sobriety is that sobriety is the best gift that I've ever given to myself. And I want to keep giving it to myself every single day. Um, like, here I go. And I can't wait to I think I actually said there's one thing that I know about alcohol and that it's that it dulls my fucking shine. Oh, right on. <laughs> and I wanted to shine in my life, you know? I was done dulling this spark within me. Um so yeah, so I started that counter again and I planned a trip to Costa Rica. Um so that counter that when you started that, that was 22, almost 23 months ago then. Correct. And that was yeah. it. Yeah. And there was like yeah. no turning back. I did yeah. this. Sobriety is a gift. It's a fucking gift. And I'm going yeah. for it. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. And this, this trip to Costa Rica actually, again, was another huge shift in my commitment to my sobriety, my dedication to this new person that I wanted to be. Um, and it was a deeper dive into why I had gone so deep into addiction in the first place, because in my, in that path that I just described to you through 2019, um, really what I was doing is uncovering like these lost parts of myself and recognizing what needed to be healed and you know why did I drink in the first place what was what was I covering up anyways what was I hiding myself from um there was a book and I have to mention this book because it really it became my bible it was what 
the AA Bible is to some people. This book, Dr. Gabor Mate wrote in the realm of hungry ghosts. And when I read that, it really helped me to see the alcohol addiction, both in myself and in my family. And it helped me to understand and like, and really practice like forgiveness and compassion for myself. Not like, oh, you did this bad thing and now you need to get better. Like, yeah, that wasn't, that was no longer my mentality. Where in the very beginning, my mentality was kind of like, you know, you're sick and it's, yeah, my mentality was a, was harsher. It was really like judgmental about myself and just not, didn't offer myself a lot of love. But Dr. Gabor Mate, in his writing of that book, he really emphasized that it's not your fault. Like addiction is not your fault. Um, and when he said things like that, it made me realize one, that, oh, part of me really had believed that for a long time, actually. I didn't really realize that. That you blamed yourself and you were self-critical. Yes, yes, yes. yeah. I blamed myself. I, I blamed my genetics. My dad was an alcoholic, um, self-professed alcoholic. Um, addiction really ran, yeah, alcohol dependency and addiction ran through my family. And so, you know, both parents, you know, uncles, grandparents, like it just, it spread. And I looked and I could see it everywhere through my family line. So it was like, I either I blame myself or I blame them, but like it, you've realized that there's no blame. There's that's. No, there and actually no. you have a gift that you've been giving to step out of that. Yeah. Not only to step out of that, but maybe to teach the, the, the generations coming up that they don't have to, to live in that. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's not a bad thing. Uh, no. what, what's happened. It's more of a gift. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it takes, um, it takes like going through that experience to come to that understanding. Yes. Because if you, if you asked me even a year ago, I think, you know, if you asked me if I thought my alcoholism was a gift, I, I don't think I would have <laughs> agreed with you. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. But you it's know? all evolved. All, all this has evolved. Yeah. Yeah. So it takes a long time. It takes. Um, so let's yeah. do this. Let's take another break. We just okay. went over a little bit, but um, which is fine. We'll take another break and then we'll be right back. Okay.